This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? Hey, how we doing? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Yeah? How's your day been? Pretty good, pretty good. My birthday's tomorrow. Yeah. Happy birthday. (laughs) I saw a meme the other day. It's hilarious. Um, It was like one of those tweet format memes. Yep. And it... uh, the guy who tweeted said, so has anyone figured out what you're supposed to do when everybody sings happy birthday to you? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I have not figured it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tomorrow I turn 28 years of age. Uh, and it I, shows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, All agree. Yeah, 28 doesn't feel very old. Like my body doesn't feel very old, but I look at life and, you know, two kids, you know, just the yeah. whole thing. And, man, I feel kind of old. But, I hear you. you know, it happens. So It does. It happens to everyone. Yeah. Um, it's a, so it's a good day. Um, yeah. Anticipating my birthday tomorrow. I get to play golf with our grandfather. And then I'll probably go play some more golf after I finish playing with him just because I can. <laughs> there so, you go. We'll see. Yeah. The whole reason we decided to uh, um, to do all the recording today is so that you didn't have to work on so your I birthday. I didn't have tomorrow. to work on my birthday. Yeah. Um, anyways, so um, we are starting a new story series. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the name of it? Restoration stories. Restoration stories. So what what are you going to be doing in this in the series? So I thought Easter would be a good way to kick it off, but this idea that you know, Paul talks about us being dead in our sin. Yeah. And that it's through Christ and the work of Christ in us that we are raised to life. We are yeah. restored. And a lot of times, I think when people approach the Bible or the biblical narrative, they go, man, this is just a book about telling me how to be perfect and, yeah. and that I'll never measure up to it and all these things. But that's because we're not good readers of the Old Testament. Right. If we were good readers of the Old Testament um, and read the stories and the narrative that are then proclaimed in the New Testament, we wouldn't feel that way. Because the, in the New Testament, there are several places where it says, by faith, so-and-so was saved. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting, because if you go read so-and-so's story, they are not perfect people. Right. In fact, they are quite heinous most of the time. Um, I mean, just some of these greats of our faith. And I just wanted to give... I wanted to do two things. I wanted people to number one fall in love with the Bible. Right. I mean, the stories are so rich, and the power of God's grace and goodness um, are just ever present throughout it. Yeah, it's not a book about how to be perfect. Right. It's actually a book about how not to be perfect, and that God still loves you even when you're not. Right. Um, 
And so I wanted to give people kind of a framework for, for how to read these stories. But I also wanted to encourage people. I know I'm a three, right? Enneagram three. I do not like failing. Right. I, I mean, it is like catastrophic for me to fail at something. Um, and yet I do it all the time. And I know when I fail, I mean, my self-worth plummets. I feel, you know, like I can't be loved. I, you know, I feel all the, all the things. And I think that's, that's my shame coming out. Right. And we all have that. We all feel that. And so to give people a way to be encouraged, like, hey, as we experience death or, or loss, and whatever it is, you know, failure is a type of death metaphorically. It's a loss. Um, death, grieving, loss of relationships, all these things. We live in this cycle of experiencing death and loss yeah. in a fallen and broken world. And yet, even in our brokenness, even in our shame, even in you know all the things, our failures, there's restoration, there's life because of resurrection. Like there's hope for something past death. Um, and I there I have a book by Jean Stairs. It's actually a book on pastoral care, but she has a really interesting concept in one of the chapters that we live our lives according to a rhythm of experiencing death and resurrection mm. that living in the world and being connected with creation and the rhythms of the earth. Um, we were ingrained to experience the rhythm of death and resurrection. So a couple of examples she gives is that every morning I know 100% of the time the sun is going to rise in the East and set or die in the West. Um, I know that every winter greenery will die and it will rise again, spring new life, bloom again in the spring. Mm. Um, and as you know, friendships die as things happen make space for new relationships to rise. I mean, we live as we feel embodied and connected with the rhythm of life. We're constantly experiencing death and resurrection. Mm. Um, and so I really thought that would be a good way to springboard this because we live in America. Cognizantly, I would venture to say, 90% of people, 99% of people in the area that we live have heard something about Jesus. Yeah. And if they were told, well, they cognizantly have heard that we believe in the resurrection, that he died and rose again for our sins. And in the community group, just because I'm curious, um, for all of you that um, are not in America, um, let, let us know in the community group. Let, like, is that true for y'all too? Yeah. Um, would would people normally know the name of Jesus? Yeah, and who he is and, and kind of what we believe about him and all those, not we specifically, but mega meta-narrative like Christendom. Yeah. 
would, it, would we know would they know what we believe about it yeah let us know in the community group most of the people that i talked to i can't even say that, every person i've ever talked to knew had some understanding of jesus and the idea of resurrection right so for easter i didn't want to do the same old tired thing i mean how many easter services have we sat through where the empty tomb and like as great and as celebratory as that is, I'm not minimizing that at all. Yeah. That's just not the story I wanted to tell. Resurrection has so much more to do with our life than just our salvation. Yeah. Resurrection gives us hope that as we experience death in the rhythm of life, that there will be resurrection. That like the phoenix rising from the ashes, Jesus and his resurrection is our hope for life after death, not just in salvation, yeah. but in every area of life. Yeah. Giving space for restoration. That's right. All the way through. Yeah, that's right. And so I feel like Easter would be a good way to springboard us into this new series that I'm calling Restoration Stories that's, that's about moving from the death of ourselves and living in the life of Christ. Well, before we hit the record button, we kind of talked about the the biblical texts, um, and we're going to be working through Ephesians two, correct? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of loosely. Sort of, yeah, yeah. kind of loosely. That's the one that I will uh, preach for the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many other texts that are pertinent to this conversation that we'll sure. kind of bring in. And well, let's walk through Ephesians two a little bit if you want. Yeah, so interestingly enough, Paul Paul doesn't use language um, oftentimes in the same way we do, right? So Paul's living two thousand years ago, right? Um, dealing with very different things than we are, you know, the the whole shebang, and so some of the way Paul talks can be misleading to us. Yeah. Because Paul uses this catchword called sin, and like it, it literally just catches everything. Yeah, all of our failures, all of our shame, all of our struggles. I mean, sin for Paul is the catch-all because it's anything against God. Right. Well, anything outside of love, kindness, goodness, holiness, being just, and life is against God. Right. So our failures are against God, our struggles, our temptations, the way that we're rude and and mean and hateful and just all the things that we do that are against God are Paul's catchword is sin. And so he starts in Ephesians 2. He says, You were dead through your trespasses and sins. So all of our failures, no matter what, all yeah. the failures, all the things, all the things that bring about guilt and shame upon your life. Yeah. So tell me what you think about this perspective. Um, this was given to me, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Um, and I've kind of taken it with me and think about it a lot that that word sin literally just means missing the mark, right? Missing yeah. the bullseye. Yeah. The bullseye is holiness and being like God. Sin is missing it, right? Yeah, that's fair, 
but that also presupposes that you know you're aiming for the mark. Mm. Um, I do think it's a fair way to think about it. The problem is, is there, as I've lived life, um, I've realized that there are moments where I missed the mark, where I didn't even know that I was aiming for the mark. Mm. I didn't even know that I was supposed to be aiming for the mark. Because lots of times, for instance, think about just genuine failure. Like I gave something all that I had, doing my best, and yet it still failed. Mm. That's missing the mark, but I probably theologically, cognizantly, I wouldn't call that sin, but Paul does. For Paul, anything, failure, guilt, shame, all the negative things, I mean, his catch-all is sin. And so, yeah, it's fair to say missing the mark, I just would give the caveat that like sometimes for Paul, he would still call it sin even though you didn't know you were aiming, you were supposed to be aiming for a mark. Got you. Okay. Because Paul, Paul's just not thinking in the way that we are, right? We're, we're given over to psychology and mental health. We, we know some things that Paul didn't know about the human mind. Right. Um, and so when you see that word sin in Paul, uh, sometimes you should immediately think like, okay, Paul genuinely means like I've done something wrong explicitly against God. Right. He does do that sometimes. Here, I don't think he's doing that. I think he's, because he's talking about general death, and moving to an experience of life because of resurrection. So I think here sin is this bigger catch-all word, or the way Paul's using it here is encompassing of all of our failures, struggles, strifes, right. the whole shebang. And he goes on and he says, you lived this way following the course of the world. Look, we live in a world and... You know, we experience the world more than any generation or group of people ever have because of the internet and transportation improvements and social media. We experience the world in a way that nobody else has. Yeah. Um, and so it's really easy to, and I say it all the time, but, you know, I think Instagram is one of the worst things that could have ever happened to the church. Because every puts the everybody puts their best foot forward on Instagram. Very few people are vulnerable on Instagram. Yeah. It's the place where I live my best life, right? YOLO. So I post all my vacations. I don't tell you that I'm eighty thousand dollars in credit card debt, but I'm sure gonna show you my ski trip to Colorado, my beach trip to Hawaii, and my vacation in Florida. Right? I'm gonna show you all the things I've done. Um, I'm going to show you all the fancy restaurants I go out to, but it's not real life because I got all this credit card debt. I'm drowning. My marriage is failing, right? Whatever it may be. And so we, we experience the world in a way nobody else has. So Paul says you were following the world. It's the same thing here. All the things that we see out in the world, all these people pursuing personal advancement, selfishness, all these things, this is all an experience of sin and death. As we pursue these things, they only lead to death as they fail. Mm. And so Paul says, you were following the world. 
Like that's what death is. You following the world, the ruler and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among us, those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Excuse me. So here, this is one thing that I think is really interesting about this. Paul, if you if you missed it, Paul's setting up a dichotomy. Yeah. It's we were at one time, like everyone else, given over to our passions, doing what made me feel good for the sake of it making me feel good. I was my own Lord. Right? Then he says, this is the piece that I think is great. But God, while we were there, being our own Lord, living in our failures, pursuing the world, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You know, it's so funny. Um, in, in verse 3, uh, he says, and we were by nature children of wrath. Yep. And then immediately he changes, but God who is rich in mercy. Yep. Right, that very obvious black and white uh, kind of comparison there. Yeah. It's it's so plain, right? Like, it's hard not to see that. Yeah. Um, and... And that, that's the God that, that Paul is talking about here, yeah. the merciful God, the loving God, the gracious God. Yes, we know that God can be wrathful, right? But um, that's not his nature, right? It's not where he desires to be. Yeah. Our innate nature is to be wrathful. I would um, say so. I mean, that's what he says here, by nature, children of wrath, right? Yeah. Human's natural state is wrath. God's natural state is love, mercy. Grace grace yeah yeah no i think that's a good point um the other thing that i think is really interesting about this is paul sets up this dichotomy and he gives you it's a dichotomy right death or life now this is not to say that in life we don't still experience death. Yeah. It's not what Paul's saying. For a soteriological purpose, which is what Paul is arguing for here, we do. But Paul says many times, I do the things I wish I didn't, and no. I don't do the things I wish I did. Yeah. Right? He's still experiencing a rhythm of death and life, but he has hope for life after the death, the experience of death because of the hope in the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, Paul so boldly says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if it's not for the resurrection, what the heck are we doing here? Yeah. Like, it's about the resurrection. The resurrection is the game changer. Yeah. And I, I saw somebody, Brian Zond, I freaking love that guy. He said, the resurrection is not a correction of a mistake that happened on the cross. It's a victory. It was a pre-planned victory mm -hmm. over death. You know, like, and, yes, yeah, and, yes, and that's such a funny thing. And I, I, you and I talk about this a lot. Um, I've talked about this with other people. I actually was talking about it with somebody 
couple days ago, um, that so often around this time, we do like to focus on Jesus' death, right? We say all the time, Jesus died for your sins. Yeah. Okay, cool, bro. What happened after? A dead dude can't do nothing for me. Yeah, what happened after? Yeah. The resurrection is the, the yes, the death is really important. Well, the resurrection, a, that is the yeah. most important piece. Yeah. That is where death is defeated, yeah. right? And where we find life and restoration. Well, when you tell the story of Jesus and you just say Jesus died for your sins, it's like you got to the climax and forgot to tell the ending. Yeah. It's like the whole darn book's been leading to this point. Mm-hmm. But that's not the end. Yeah. And even the resurrection's not the end. No. Right? I mean, it's that he's coming back, too. Right. So it's, it is very faulty in that way. I was watching the other day. So I'd never seen the movie War Room. Have you ever seen that movie? Okay. So I'm, I'm not huge on the Christian movie game. Like, I, I think a lot of them are pretty cheesy. Um, but I felt, you know, me and Jesus are having some time. I felt like the Lord told me to watch it. And so I watched it. Not a bad film. I would say, like, if you're hesitant about cheesy Christian movies, like, you should still watch it. I'm hesitant. Like, I watched it. Very beneficial movie. Um, but in there, one of the main characters first meets this old woman. Excuse me. Public service. Spoiler alert. Movie's been out for, like, five years. Sorry if I'm spoiling it for you. Um, but this old woman begins to ask this character about her prayer life. She said, if you had to explain your prayer life, would you say it's hot or cold? Mm. And she goes, I wouldn't say it's cold, but I wouldn't say it's hot. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And in the middle of this, they're sitting down at the table. She's a realtor coming to sell her home and they're getting coffee to sit down and look at all of this. And, and she asks the lady, do you want a cup of coffee? And she says, yeah. And so she goes and gets her cup of coffee and she sits down and she gives, the old woman gives the character a cup of coffee. Her name's Tina. And Tina says, uh, ooh, you like your coffee lukewarm? She goes, no, baby. Mine's scalding hot. Nobody likes their coffee lukewarm. People like it cold or people like it hot. Nobody likes it lukewarm, just like nobody likes lukewarm prayer life. Mm. And I was like, mm. That'll preach, son. That'll preach. Um, My coffee's a little lukewarm right now, too. So. <laughs> but that, okay, so that's where I was going. This death and life doesn't mean that in life we don't experience death. Yeah. Just like this cup of coffee started hot. Yeah. It's lukewarm now. Well, mine's almost gone, but it's lukewarm now, but I can put it in the microwave. There's something that can jolt this back to being hot. Mm-hmm. In the same way, just because you're living an experience of life in Jesus doesn't mean that you won't still experience death. But it does mean that we have immense hope for life after death. Yeah. That even in the rhythm of the experience of death and resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, the life that we have in Jesus, gives us immense hope for the resurrection after the death of what we experience in our rhythm of life. Yeah. And 
I want to finish on this last piece here. Um, verse six, or let's go to four, but I want to focus on six. But God is rich in mercy out of great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This entire idea is grounded for me and not not the idea that Jesus, a man, died on the cross and rose again. Yeah. There were a lot of people that experienced resurrection, right? Lazarus experienced resuscitation, right? What's grounded in me is that it's Christ Jesus, yeah, Messiah, the anointed one, the one that comes about to give life. I can have a lot of hope in experiences of death in this life because my hope in Christ, my hope in Christ Jesus is not just that there's salvation, not just that there's life after my earthly death, but that God determined beforehand that there would be a way of life. And he called it good works Mm. that God has an experience a design a plan for our lives that in a fallen and broken world we can't be fully removed of experiencing death but that doesn't mean that even in death that resurrection doesn't come with goodness Mm. 